At this time, we're blessed to have our sermon for today by Lawrence Gregory. Good afternoon, everyone. We know that today is Thursday, not Saturday, not Sabbath, September 25th, a holy day, the fourth of seven annual Sabbaths, we know as the Feast of Trumpets. Now, this day we know is full of meaning. It is a commanded assembly for all of Israel and for Christians. And it portrays a number of things. Now, I've not listed these necessarily in order, but uh, a number of things that we're going to look at today in review is the return of Christ to this earth, the first resurrection of saints to immortality, the regathering of the tribes of Israel to the Holy Land, a time of war, a time of various meanings of spiritual and physical significance at the blowing of the trumpets, preaching of the word, covering the offerings that we see on this holy day. So our opening scriptures in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, and uh, verse 2 and 23 through 25, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. In past years, we've explained the significance of all of these words of proclaiming, of preaching, of rehearsing, of going through the meanings of this commanded assembly on this day. We're commanded to be here by God. We're not just here because we like to come to church on Thursday, but because God has commanded us to be here. And it's a feast day. It's a day of holy convocation to Him, and it has great importance and significance to us. And over the many years, we've reviewed many of these lessons, some of them in uh, particular detail, uh, a few that I'm just going to mention in passing today. But... Uh, we see the significance of trumpets in Numbers, the 10th chapter. We'll go there, Numbers 10. And uh, I want to read a number of verses here just with a, a few comments, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make you two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece, shall you make them, that you may use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeyings of the camps. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to you at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but with one trumpet, then the princes, which are heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves unto you. When you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east part shall go forward. When you blow an alarm the second time, 
Then the camps that lie on the south side shall take their journey. They shall blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Also, in the day of your gladness, and in your solemn days, and in the beginnings of your months, you shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings, over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. Now we see that uh, these blowing of the trumpets uh, covered a number of things. The calling of assembly, calling of assembly for the elders, a time to move the camp, to advance, a time for defense to, uh, so that God would remember them in war. Uh, as they would worship and, uh, with great joy and great happiness in uh, obedience to God's direction, and uh, that the uh, offerings that they gave, uh, they would uh, blow over those offerings as a reminder to God, and that the priests were to blow these offerings. Now, we'll see some of these things in a little more detail. In past years, we've uh, had uh, shofar, ram's horns that we've blown, we've had... Uh, Bugled sounds. Uh, the word trumpets are used interchangeably uh, a number of times in the Old Testament. For the word shofar, the Hebrew word shofar, and for the Hebrew word the silver trumpets. And these are used uh, many, many times interchangeably. So uh, they had both. And a trumpet can be like a cornet or like a bugle. And we know in uh, our American uh, nation here, we're used to hearing the military bugles. They're called to order, called to assemble, uh, meal times, go to sleep, get up, charge, withdraw. All those bugle sounds have different uh, uh, recognized sounds. And the military has different bugle calls. Sometimes we hear taps, you know, at a funeral. Uh, we hear a reveille call, a wake-up call. And uh, the shofar, the ram's horn, and the silver trumpets could be used interchangeably, and you'll look at uh, many, many scriptures to see the significance of uh, those two uh, trumpets, and I'm not going to try to separate all of those from the many verses that we're going to look at today here. Uh, first, my one point, and these aren't necessarily in importance. All of them are important. Don't get me wrong on that, but I've not tried to say this is more important than this one because they all come together here, but my first point because I've had to list these in order, is the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. We have a number of scriptures, just of the many, many, we're going to only turn to a few scriptures here today. And uh, our sound men, are, we're trying to work on uh, the sounds. I'm not sure what, uh, what we can do. They're working on this. We've been having some concerns in recent weeks with, with uh, the microphones and so Bear with us and with them as they try to adjust. Uh, if we can kind of work around the, the, the noise and the interruptions here. 
But in uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter, Jesus is talking here in the Olivet, uh, known as the Olivet Prophecy, about uh, his coming, and he was asked, you know, what would be the sign of his coming and the end of the world. And so he's just breaking in here in uh, verse uh, 30. Let me read a couple of verses here, Matthew 24, verse 30. He said, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other, and showing that Christ is going to come at the time when the whole world is going to hear this great sound of a trumpet. And we'll see a little more in uh, detail here uh, the significance of a number of things that that uh, sound could be. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. And uh, over the years, like I said, we've looked at so many of these scriptures in uh, uh, various sermons and uh, in uh, the uh, covering of the messages on the holy days. But I want to just read here from 1 Corinthians, the fourth, uh, 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, uh, one verse, and we'll come back to a few more of these later. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. We've kind of speculated in the past, what is that shout? We, we don't know what he's going to shout. Give up. Surrender, I'm back, uh, wake up, uh, look up, or just a yay, or, or whatever that shout is. Uh, we don't know. We, we haven't been given a lot of detail. But with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, there's a number of things overlapping here that we'll look at a little later, the resurrection, but uh, we're staying here on the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Now, in Revelation, the 8th chapter, let's go up to Revelation, the 8th chapter. And we're going to look at uh, just a few verses here in Revelation. There are quite a few that have to do with uh, what, I'm, what I'm going to mention here. So I'm just going to just refer to a few because uh, if we took a lot of time and, and spent a lot of time on a lot of these uh, verses. But uh, Revelation, the eighth chapter, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So we know in Revelation there are seven seals. Jesus talked about these in the, in the Olivet Prophecies in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and he explained those. And the seventh seal is comprised of seven trumpet blasts. We'll see a, a few scriptures about that. And then the seventh trumpet blast is comprised of what we call the seven last plagues, or the seven vials that are poured out. So you have three sevens. You have a seventh seal, we haven't come to that point yet. We're, we're approaching it. We're in the first four seals because the fifth seal, we know, has to do with the uh, captivity and the overthrow and the 
great tribulation period of the tribes of Israel. That hasn't happened yet. The heavenly signs, a great occurrence that occurs at the sixth time of just astounding uh, signs in the heavens. Those haven't occurred, although there are beginning to be more and more and more of these occurring, we know. Uh, and we, we see, those of us who follow the news day, daily, we're talking about, uh, we're, we're hearing words about uh, meteorites that are coming close and, and uh, all the things that are sunspots, that are disruptions that are taking place on the sun and our global crisis and they're concerned about is the earth heating up or not or in certain areas uh, some of the polar caps are uh, melting uh, in the South Pole they're freezing up and they're expanding so there's a lot of confusion about what's going on but we haven't come yet to the seventh trumpet the seventh last plagues or the seventh seal so that's ahead of us shortly ahead of us and we can take a number of scriptures here now in verse uh, uh, while we're in chapter 8 go to verse 13 and I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice woe 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So we didn't cover and didn't talk about the first four trumpet blasts and the significance of those that are ahead of us. But the last trumpets, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh are comprised of the three woes. And so the first woe would be the fifth trumpet blast. The second woe would be the sixth trumpet blast. And the third woe would be the seventh trumpet blast, which is comprised of seven last plagues. And now, uh, go to chapter 9. Uh, we're, we're having to skip a number of verses here. So chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star far from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So this is the first woe, the fifth. And then in verse 13, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. And so the sixth angel is the second woe. And then if we go to, uh, uh, let's see, verse uh, 13, uh, go up to chapter 11. Now, let's, uh, let's skip all of these. Uh, go to, yeah, chapter 11, verse uh, 14 and 15. And the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, which is the third woe, the seventh angel. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then in, uh, skip up here. I'm going to skip a number of these verses. I uh, hope I don't confuse uh, Brian, we'll go to chapter 16, verse 17. Chapter 16, verse uh, 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And... Uh, We've seen, and I had a sermon here a few weeks ago about the mystery of God and how it's finished and it's completed. And so at this seventh trumpet blast, it's finished. The work and the plan that God has been working on for these several thousand years, that part and that phase of it is finished. 
And then begins the millennium, then begins the great white throne judgment, and then the eternity of the uh, uh, time ahead when we're going to be with God. And so I've gone over these in significance in the past. We've had uh, charts, we've had uh, diagrams, we've had discussions and explanation of all of this. So I hope I haven't confused you. But just keep in mind as you go through the book of Revelation, as you look at this, 777, seventh seal, seven trumpets, the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, seven uh, last plagues. And uh, it seems to be that uh, the seventh uh, seal covers about a year time because of the significance of the number of months involved in those uh, trumpets. And the last vowels are poured out very quickly in a matter of uh, maybe just a few weeks or a few a short period of time uh, in maybe a few months. There's no time set on those, but there are times set in the trumpet blast. And so certain things have to develop and certain things have to come about. Uh, just like right now, you know, we, we're not just going to die and then go to heaven, uh, as uh, a lot of people think. But there's a time when God has set aside for the resurrection of the saints and then for uh, the resurrection of others who are going to be called and given opportunities. So now uh, let's go to the second point here because I've talked about that and introduced it already is the resurrection of the dead. And we'll go back to 1 Thessalonians, where we were earlier, because uh, we uh, know that has uh, so much significance uh, to us. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. And um, we're going to read a few verses here. 1 Thessalonians, beginning in um, verse... 14, for we, for if, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So there are saints, believers who have died. They haven't gone to heaven and consciously they're not up there looking down and guiding and, and waiting. They're asleep. We know that. We've gone over this so many times, but uh, I was reading an article this morning on, uh, from the New, New Beginnings magazine, and uh, they were mentioning in there, and I didn't go through all of the article, but uh, they were mentioning how one of the great problems in America is the religious leaders aren't talking about the consequences of sin and teaching the Word of God in truth and warning but are caught up in entertainment and uh, uh, all of the things, mega churches and becoming to, to see, and they did a survey of all these pastors and what they thought was most important. And it was the number of people that were coming, the size of their building, the activities that they were involved in, rather than preaching of the word of God. And we'll talk about that a, a little later here. But uh, the significance here of... Uh, those that are asleep, that aren't awake and in heaven, they're asleep. God is going to, Jesus is going to bring them with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now, here is a, a situation where 
uh, we need to explain and we understand that the English word can mean from the Greek, this word uh, prevent, but it doesn't really mean prevent like stop. We're not going to stop. Uh, that's obviously the resurrection of the dead saints because when Christ comes, he's going to wake them up and bring them with him uh, to uh, Mount Zion where he uh, sets his feet on. But the Greek word really means shall not precede. So the living saints are going to be resurrected before or changed to immortality before the dead. The dead rise first, come with Christ, then the living saints join them and together. So the living shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, and we read this earlier, shall descend from heaven with a shout. And you can know he's excited about coming back, and he's been looking forward to that for a couple of thousand years, planning and preparing with the Father, even though he told us when he was on this earth, he doesn't know the exact day or hour when that's going to be. Only the Father knows that. Now, whether he knows it now, you know, over 2,000 years, or knows it just before, he's excited about coming back. And the archangel gives a shout. With the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we understand from 1 Thessalonians here, 4th chapter, these few verses, the order of the resurrection, Christ coming, the dead rise, the living change, and we're going to be with them and uh, all, all together forever. Now, let's back up to... Uh, a scripture just in passing because we have so many, many sermons on this. First Corinthians, you know already, 15. We'll just look at one verse here, 52. First Corinthians 15, 52, because it has a lot to do about the resurrection, but uh, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we, that is the living, shall be changed. So just like that, just in a click of our fingers or in a blink of an eye, at the last trumpet, whatever that sound is, we won't have to worry. If we're dead, we won't have to worry about it. If we're saints, if we're believers, we'll be resurrected. If we're alive, we don't have to worry about it. Well, is it going to be today or tomorrow? Because when it comes, we'll see him coming. And we know and we'll hear and we'll be changed. Not because we're going to be changed, because we want to be changed. Yeah, we want to be changed, but we're going to be changed because God's Spirit is going to change us. And it'll be automatic. And uh, we'll be spirit being and then with him forever and ever. Uh, one more uh, word here in uh, the book of John from Jesus' words here. John, the fifth chapter. And uh, verse 25 through 29, verily, verily. So when he says verily, he means with emphasis, truly, true. This is true. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of God, and they that hear shall live. For as a father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming 
hours ahead, not right now, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. So at different times, and he goes through uh, some of those uh, different uh, categories here. And they shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life. Hopefully, we'll be in that first resurrection. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now here again, we need to look at this, uh, the word and how it's used. Because there's different Greek words that have to do with judgment or being judged or damnation or condemnation. And this Greek word here or damnation means judgment. So those dead that aren't in the first resurrection are going to come up and be judged. And uh, God's determination is whether they uh, die forever or live forever. That's going to be his determination. So that's something that we don't have to worry about. If we are believers, if we're overcoming, if we're growing, if we're trusting, if we're looking for God, uh, if we're looking to Jesus Christ to come, if we're doing his commandments, obeying him, keeping his holy days, uh, walking in righteousness before him, we don't have to worry about any of that because we're going to be changed. We're going to be in that first resurrection. That's a great hope and that's our great joy. Now, the third, uh, actually, uh, the uh, third point here, uh, I have these ABCs, so third point. The return of the Israel nations from captivity. That hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen in the future. It's going to be a very difficult time for many to understand this, and the only way we're going to be able to understand it is to keep our nose in the Bible and to keep understanding and looking and examining and uh, trusting in what he's going to do. Let's go back in the Old Testament, just a few, a few verses here to Isaiah, the 27th chapter. Uh, Isaiah, the 27th chapter. And we could spend a, a lot of time, hours and hours and hours, going through the, the uh, major prophets and the minor prophets and Jesus' prophecies and Paul's words about uh, the important things that are going to take place in the future here. But let's go, uh, just interrupt here to uh, Isaiah 27th chapter, beginning in uh, verse uh, 12. And it shall come to pass... In that day, that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and you shall be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcast in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem, showing a time in the future when the temple is going to be rebuilt and there'll be, uh, Jesus Christ will be there and there'll be great worship and expanding around the earth and uh, showing a time here when the Israel tribes are in a state of captivity. That hasn't happened yet. It's, it's approaching. We can see more and more and more the significance of the end time of the preparation and the preparatory times of uh, what's, what's happening in our Israel nations and tribes that are all over this earth. We've identified them before, and we won't go through those today here, but I want to go up to uh, my second scripture reference here in Isaiah, the 66th chapter. Isaiah 66. And uh, read in verse uh, 15 and 16. 
For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. We have in Revelation 19, he comes on a white horse with a sword, the word of God. And he comes, we know, in anger, in anger because people have rejected him, because he's going to put down. And, you know, uh, anger can be a good thing and a positive thing if we use it in the right way. Be you angry and sin not, it says. So we can be angry and not sin, not to uh, cause ourselves to be angry at a person wrongfully or to uh, act in a wrongful, bitter malice. We, we're told in Ephesians, to put off bitterness and malice and wrath and, uh, and uh, to control that with, with self-control. And in uh, verse 19 through 23 in the same chapter here, And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, Pul, and Lud, that draw the bow to Tubal and Javan, to the isles afar off, that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. So those people that are brought out and are converted will be missionaries and going back and taking the word of God as they're uh, converted, both physical and spiritual resurrected descendants of Israel. Some of those uh, people that uh, are just out in the world now will be converted and be used by God. And so we can rejoice and be happy that it's just not us, few ones, but there's going to be a lot more that are going to be uh, saved at the last and brought into his kingdom and his uh, blessings will be on them as well. And they shall bring all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all nations upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel unto the house of the Lord. And I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. And then in verse 24, that's the, that's the concluding verse of uh, that uh, chapter of the book of Isaiah. But let's go back up to Isaiah, the 11th chapter. We're so familiar with this uh, reference to uh, the kingdom of God in verse 11, in chapter 11. I'll just read... Um, couple of verses here because we spent a lot of time before on these verses. Uh, Isaiah the 11th chapter verse 10 and uh, through 11 and 12 through 12. And in that day there shall be, what day is that? The day of the Lord that's, that's ex explained elsewhere. The day that's ahead. The time that is ahead, the day of the Lord, that is uh, God's intervention when Christ is going to intervene. It's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, certain things have to happen. But ultimately, it will be completed. It will be finished. It will be done with. 
And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shiner and from the Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Now, an ensign is like this ensign here, this flag. Flag. It's an emblem. It's a representative. Something that when you look at this American flag with all the stars and stripes or are on the other side here, the American, the Oklahoma flag, we recognize that flag is of Oklahoma. And so the world would recognize when he sets up, when Jesus Christ will be on the earth ruling on the earth, then uh, the, he will be recognized as that representation, Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of God. And uh, the nations will be brought back. It says the second time, the first time, remember, when Egyptian uh, bondage, when they came out of captivity and the wilderness wanderings, and we have a number of books of the Bible that, can, uh, that cover that 40-year period. Well, this is a time that's ahead, similar to that, when all these nations that have a lot of the Americans and the British and the Israelitish peoples in captivity and subjection all over the world, they'll be released. And when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to put down, we know ultimately, all war and all fighting and all killing, and there's going to be peace, and he's going to usher that in. And that's why, you know, a lot of these people, they don't like that. A terrorist, you know, they're trying to say a certain religion is a religion of peace. But look at how many of them are for war and for brutality and for uh, the anger and the false religion that they have that is uh, all over this world. The, the people are worshiping the devil and they're confused about all of the things. Well, that's all going to stop. We know. And that's why we're so happy. We're so excited because we know when Jesus Christ comes, it's all going to change. And a lot of people in the world, they don't like that. They want to continue on their evil, but uh, they're not going to be able to. Now, in Joel, we're talking about this here in a time of war. Go up to the minor prophet of Joel, um, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, the second chapter, um, verse one and two, blow you the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord comes. It is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the, mountain, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong there has not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. And in verse, uh, skip ahead here to verse uh, 15. Uh, let's see, I have uh, 15 through 20. Let me read these verses. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. 
assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord shall answer, will answer, and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he has done great things. And so God is going to control and take care of the enemy enemy nations in Zechariah the uh, minor prophet here next to the last book in the Bible Zechariah the ninth chapter there's so much in Zechariah 9 but we won't go through all of these verses we'll just look at a, a few here first in uh, Zechariah the ninth chapter verse 1 the burden of the word of the Lord in the land of Hadrach and Damascus shall be the rest thereof when the eyes of man, as of all the tribes of Israel, shall be toward the Lord. A time coming when the nations of the earth will be looking toward Jesus Christ. And Hamath also shall border thereby. Tyrus and Zidon, though it be very wise. And Tyrus did build herself. Um, well, let's see. Let's drop down because I had... Uh, indicated I was going to go verse 10 and then 14 through 17. So um, we'll skip down to verse 10. A number of these verses, you can read them uh, later. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. In chapter four, in verse 14 through 17, And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as a lightning. And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sing, sling stones. And they shall drink and make a noise as through wine. And they shall be filled like bowls, and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown, lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty. Corn shall make the young man cheerful, and new wine the maids. Wonderful time ahead of us when Jesus Christ is going to be here. A time of great peace and happiness and prosperity and abundance and the blessings. Right now it seems like 
our uh, Israel peoples are losing our blessings and we're forgetting, like Manasseh, the name of our nation, forgetful, it means forgetful. We've forgotten God, we've forgotten uh, who we are. And uh, so many nations don't want to hear this about Israel. They, when, they, when they hear the word Israel, they think of Jew first. And then they get a negative connotation toward Jew, an anti-Semitic feeling of Jew. But when the world understands the different tribes and nations and their uh, national identity, and they understand what God is doing through Jesus Christ, it's going to be a wonderful time. Now, this word ensign uh, means to gleam from afar, to be conspicuous, to flutter as a signal or a beacon. And so the Israel people will be as a, as a flag. You know, when you see that American flag fluttering, and we have heard a lot today about, uh, not today, but uh, in recent weeks about the Star Spangled Banner, the song that was written by Francis Scott Key in the four verses, and how that flag, and this was the uh, several hundred anniversary in, in September here when that uh, poem was written and became a song, and, and we've seen a lot of that on the television. Well, we recognize all over the world this flag is recognized as America. And so we will be recognized as the people of God, as Christians, as Jesus Christ followers, who have the truth of God. And when those missionaries go out to spread the truth to the other nations of the earth, they'll listen and they'll hear and they'll be converted because a lot of the evil people will be gotten rid of and uh, will be uh, done away with. Only the righteous will remain and then you'll have uh, a millennial time of uh, great peace and prosperity and blessings and great conversions as Billions are brought into the kingdom of God and into uh, a relationship with the Father and Jesus Christ. Well, we already know that. Those of us who are here, those of us who are reviewing this, who are rehearsing this, who are keeping the holy days, who keep the Feast of Trumpets, who year after year after year we hear these messages and we know and we're excited about this wonderful time that's ahead of us that is portrayed by this fourth annual Sabbath day that we call as the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, as they uh, call it in the uh, uh, Hebrew language, and you'll see it on your calendars, Rosh Hashanah, for the Feast of Trumpets. The world, the worldly churches, Christianity, Catholicism, Islamic religions, Hinduism, uh, all of these other religions, they do not understand what I'm talking about. They don't know it because they don't understand and read the Bible. We know this. And we have an opportunity and an, and an obligation, responsibility that God has given us to keep this secure and to remain faithful and to appreciate and to uh, serve him however we can and advance this truth where possible. Now, this is... Uh, what I'm leading to at this point here of preaching the word. This is just one of the points. Let's go back to Isaiah, uh, the um, 58th chapter of Isaiah. Just one verse here. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. 
And I was struck by this article uh, that I was reading this morning, a, a portion of it. How, because, you know, I don't, I don't go to the Sunday churches and I don't know what they're saying. I just see it on TV as I pass by, as I click on, I, I'm a little upset and concerned about what is uh, uh, happening in the entertainment and the mega churches and all of the things that they, the programs that they have going on to attract people. But the ministers, the priests, the religious leaders ought to be showing the people what is sin and what isn't sin. And today, if you stand for righteousness and you say sin is wrong, like in a relationship of a man and a woman, or in a marriage between same sexes, if you say something about that, you can be sued. And it's coming to Oklahoma more and more where uh, if you say homosexual marriage is not right and correct, a person can be sued by those people and called hate crimes and things because they're not showing the people the truth about their sins. In the house of Jacob, their sins. Now, back to Numbers, the 10th chapter. We read a number of verses there, but I want to go back to one verse, Numbers 10 and uh, verse 8. Numbers 10, you can remember that where the silver, silver trumpets and all the things that the significance of uh, when they're blown and uh, the different uh, uh, horns that are blown, you know, for the movement of the camp or calling of elder, elders or whatever, or over their holy days. Uh, in verse 8 here, it says, And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. So when it's talking about they shall blow, it's the leaders, it's the priests. Now, as laymen, we have an opportunity, an obligation, a responsibility to follow our leaders, to check up on them, not be led astray. Uh, there's so much I can go into, like that article was pointing out the error in so many of the religious leaders. They're not leading the people correctly. They're more caught up in... Did you see this uh, just this week in the news about this uh, minister in this area here of Tulsa swindled the churches out of a million dollars? He's wearing a Rolls, uh, no, not wasn't wearing a Rolls Royce. He was, <laughs> he was a Rolex. Yeah, Rolex. Uh, this is a. Uh, from SCI, it's an old, I don't even know what kind it is. I got this from sales many years ago and it was given to me as an award. I don't even know what kind, it doesn't say. It just says, tell the story once a day. That's supposed to be when you're in the cemetery, you're supposed to tell everybody about, you know, have you made your plans and arrangements? Have you bought your cemetery property? Have you paid for your funeral? You know, that's good advice. And that's what this, uh, because I told that story enough and had some awards and got to go to banquets and travel at uh, stay in some nice motels my wife and I and uh, entertained and, and got this in fact I got two of them I got her one and I got other things and plaques and things uh, when you're a salesman and you're telling the story once a day you get a watch like this so when you're telling the story once a day you get a crown up here and you'll get some jewels in your crown and you'll be like a flag be like you'll be like an ensign 
that the people will recognize. I, I don't know how I got onto that, but <laughs> this guy was driving a Mercedes, uh, embezzled a million dollars. We don't have that much money in our congregation, do we, Richard? <laughs> no. How could, hey, listen, if I start driving a Mercedes out here and wearing a Rolex watch and have uh, like this one, Cesar Romero, I saw he had like 2,500 suits. He wore a new suit every day. He had hundreds of shirts. 2,500 Cesar, you know who Cesar Romero is, the movie star, handsome guy. Immaculate, very, very well dressed, you know, suave. And, uh, I mean, if we have a few suits in our closet, we're blessed. But 2,500? That's a lot. So if you see your preachers up here uh, driving those big late model cars and wearing those big watches and having all those suits and making a million dollars, you better start asking some questions. There was another thing that I saw in the news, and I was surprised about this. This guy, he was, he was a con. Uh, he would come into churches and be very friendly, and he'd just talk one, and they'd, they'd trust him, and he'd be stealing their purse and their billfold, because, you know, he was just really likable. So we love to see people come to the congregation. We love to see people converted and brought to Christ, but we don't like to see scoundrels doing. We don't like to see people come that bring false doctrine, false teachings, steal. This is why the leaders are very important that we know and we have confidence and we trust. They're the ones that are held responsible by God. Go to Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, and uh, we'll see here in Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, let me check my Rolex. Uh, I mean, my. Uh, I don't have a Rolex. We got a clock up here too. This is a sharp clock. We got. We've got some time. Uh, Ezekiel, the thirty-third chapter. We'll just. We'll just go to a few verses here. Um, one, thirty-three. One, three, and six. I think it's just, uh, maybe the battery or something is loose here, a connection on this. We'll, we'll try to stay, keep it. Uh, verse uh, 1 through 3 and then verse 6. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts, and set him for their watchman. If when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood's on his own head. But he that heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Verse 6, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet 
and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. And then he, Ezekiel says that he was set as a watchman, as a faithful man to give warning. It's a big responsibility to be a leader of a group. Big responsibility to be a minister and a pastor. Because God requires us to be true and faithful to this word. And not to preach private doctrine, private teaching, things that attract us, things that are interesting, things that are easy, things that you would accept and believe. Sometimes it's hard. You know, the way of the, word, the, way of the Lord is hard. And the leaders have to sometimes take a lot of... Uh, judgment from the members of the congregation when they say don't go that way or go this way or believe this or don't believe that and uh, I know it's not it's not always pleasant it's not always easy and I've warned your coming pastor Steve told him you know be strong you know don't be a people pleaser and uh, to be strong in the word of God because uh, you have a responsibility before God each of us and as members as laymen we have a responsibility and whatever our office is if we have an office of a deacon or an usher or we have some responsibility a teacher Sabbath school teacher an usher whatever God expects certain things of us and certain standards and we have to uh, be faithful to that and to uh, Blast that warning out as a trumpet when it is applicable. And uh, now, here's a, the, the closing point here that I have is uh, blow over the offerings. Uh, back in Numbers 10, chapter, verse 10. Let's go back there because there's so much in Numbers, even though it's Old Testament, that it lays out the uh, groundwork of uh, a lot of the other uh, responsibilities and teachings that we see from this day. In verse 10, I read this. I'm going to read it again. Also, in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days, in the holy days, because every one of the holy days, and in the beginnings of your months, at the beginning of the month, and we keep track of we, from Passover, we, could, we could keep looking to the full moon and the new moon, and we know that uh, if we go back to the new moon 30 days before, on our calendars, and without explaining a lot of this, uh, we've, we've explained this before. In our Gregorian calendar, we have uh, so many months that have 30 days, and so many months have 31, and then we have February that has 28, and then every fourth year it has 29. And so there's some adjustments in the calendar. And so the moon and the sun, those two in conjunction with each other, the moon goes around the sun 29 days and 12 hours. And so right now on uh, September the 25th, we're at equal. 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. And it starts getting uh, more evenings as we go through the year. But right now, after we've just finished here a couple days ago, the uh, solstice to end summer and begin the fall time. We're in the fall period of the time now. And uh, the calendar has 29 and a half days for a month. Well, you can't make a calendar 29 and a half days, so 
it alternates the sacred holiday calendar has 29 and 30. 29 and 30, in those two months, you'll have 29 and a half, if you follow. Then you'll have 29 days. Then you'll have 30 days. And uh, so without going through all of the calendar calculations, if you could back up to Passover, and you could count from, because the Passover and Feast of Tabernacles always occur like at the 14th, 15th of the month, which is half of a month, which is a full moon. And you'll know that in about 14 or 15 days is going to be a new moon. Now, a new moon, we know uh, you can have it astronomically or you can have it by observation. And it takes, just like in the full moon, there's a two or three day period. So in a new moon, as it wanes and waxes, you'll have uh, a period of about three days there. So there's a lot of uh, information here that we need to be aware of. So we don't, when it says the seventh month, we're not talking about the seventh month of our Gregorian calendar. We know that. We're talking about the seventh month of God's calculation from Passover, the first month to the seventh month. And in the seventh month, the four feasts that occur, trumpets, atonement, and the two days of uh, tabernacles and the last great day, the seventh, the first and the eighth day. So those four days occur in the seventh month. Sometimes they lap over from September or October. If you're going into November keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, you're probably keeping it a month too late. If you're keeping the Feast of Tabernacles in August, you're keeping it a month too early. So usually the September, October, that overlap is the seventh month. That'll, that'll be a good uh, indication. March, April for Passover. If you're keeping Passover in February, you know it's too early. It's in wintertime. If you're keeping it up, Passover up in uh, June, you know you're up into summer, you're too late. Uh, so it's uh, important to at least have a little bit of understanding how those calculations are made. So we blow over the offerings now. We gave an offering today, uh, and uh, we have scriptures. I'm not going to go there, but it says to give with hilarity, uh, give with joy, with gladness. Did you give with hilarity today? Were you happy? Or were you frowning and, and unhappy that we had to put an offering in? See, most important in those round of offerings, all of them, we even have on this day a reminder of sin. You've heard me talk about it today. A reminder of personal sins, personal responsibilities, our personal joy, of sacrifice, of peace offerings. All of the things that uh, are, are offered on this day that we combine by giving our money and giving our presence and giving our attitude and our interest in this day. Now, let's go in closing scripture here to the 29th chapter of uh, Numbers, Numbers 29, and uh, we'll read uh, six verses here as we close out. Numbers, the 29th chapter. And in the seventh month, and I just explained that, the significance of the holy calendar, sacred biblical calendar, the seventh month, not the Gregorian calendar, seventh month, because that would take us into July. Seventh month would be July. And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, that's today, you shall have a holy convocation. That's what we're here, a holy commanded assembly. We're here 
Because God told us to be here today, not because we just thought we'd come for the food that's going to be after later, a potluck that some of you women have been busily cooking and preparing. Uh, maybe some of the men, too, have been busy preparing some of the food that we're having today. But we're here not for that. We're here, that's a part of it, but we're here because God has told us to be. You shall do no servile work. It is a day of blowing the trumpets unto you. That's what we've been doing, blowing these trumpets out. Not a physical, but we've been doing it spiritually. And uh, a little, little bit on the piano here. We had some trumpet blasts on the piano there. Um, and uh, you shall offer a burnt offering for a sweet savor unto the Lord. One young bullock, one ram, seven lambs of the first year without blemish, and their meal offering, which is, uh, it says meat, but it's actually a meal, uh, the ground of meal, not, not, not uh, meat. This is another one of those uh, translations that the English is a little bit off here. You can see in your, uh, you might have a, a reference there, like in my King James Bible, I have a little one and a drop down and it says meal. And if you look at the uh, Hebrew word for that, it's what it means, meal or ground or corn or the offerings that uh, were made from that uh, meal offering shall be a flour. So you don't have meat and flour. You have the flour mingled with oil, three-tenths deals for a bullock, and two-tenths deals for a ram, and one-tenth deal for one lamb throughout the seven lambs, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering to make an atonement for you. Now, we know that all of these offerings and sin and sacrifices were fulfilled in Christ, that he signifies and we signify certain things uh, through these. The New Testament, Hebrews, and, and other uh, scriptures can explain that. But uh, beside the burnt offerings of the month and his meal offerings and the daily burnt offerings and his meal offerings and their drink offerings, according unto their manner for a sweet savor, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord. And you shall have, well, he goes into uh, the uh, Day of Atonement, which is uh, ten days later. Now, these full round of offerings uh, were important because they signified different things in the person's relationship to God and God's relationship to them and what he could do in their life and the forgiveness and the religion that they would have. And so, as we come today, we've, we've brought a lot of offerings. We've brought offerings of food. We've brought offerings of ourselves. We've brought offerings of money. Uh, we've collectively uh, come here in obedience to God. So today, a memorial of blowing of the trumpets. Today, the Feast of Tramp Trumpets is truly a day of joy, of gladness, with so many lessons, so many port points of importance on the Memorial Day of Trumpets. <laughs> 